Welcome to Props and Hops here on the Hammer Betting Network. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by the hitman, our regular producer, Jacob, traveling today. So we'll have Jason doing some work behind the scenes from a production standpoint. But hitman and I, happy to be here diving into NFL Week 4 props. And before we get there, right off the top of the show, I would like to address the elephant in the room. A lot of you watching this on YouTube or listening in podcast form may know that I had a full-time job with the hammer and I don't have that role anymore. So I had a lot to think about this past week and came pretty close to removing the show from the hammers network. But ultimately, as I thought about it, I needed to do what was best for me and what was best for the growth of props and hops. I think that compartmentalizing is one of the most important skills in life and in betting. And by no means am I perfect in that area, but I think this was a really good opportunity to put that into practice and something that aligned with the thought of what's best for myself and this show's growth was really creating what's best in terms of creating the best possible show for you, the audience. So I think that the show's been as good as ever recently with Hitman and Suma contributing weekly, as well as Jacob's contributions as a producer. All in all, really appreciate everyone's intentions when reaching out and speaking up when I didn't host Between the Lines on Wednesday. I was deciding how to proceed throughout the course of this week, and I'm excited to say the plan is to host every show the rest of the season. I think I'm in great company here with Hitman and Suma as well as Jacob. So let's hit the ground running for week four, Hitman. Someone who's not in such great company with you would be one Joe Flacco. I know that last week you had him under 239 and a half passing yards with conviction. And that one ended up losing on Twitter. You had a pretty funny response saying that you could probably end world hunger with the amount of money you've lost on Flacco garbage time stat padding drives over the last three weeks. And I know the Jets are getting ready to usher Zach Wilson back into the starting lineup. But bigger picture, I think there's a lesson to be learned from what we've seen with Flacco and his props these past few weeks. From your standpoint, as a pro better, how do you determine when going back to the well is the right thing to do versus when it might just match the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results week over week? Gotcha. Well, I just want to say glad to have you again, Matt, the, the job you do hosting and the, the outlines you send to get me prepared for the show. You're second to none. So I'm very happy to be doing this with you, you again this week. But regardless, um, with Joe Flacco, I mean, I've lost three straight weeks on his props and it's very important when you're betting and you're betting your hard earned money and it's really what's providing food on the table is you can be honest with yourself and don't be stubborn and say, you just keep going back to the well and saying, you know what, I'm right. And just saying that every single time you got to be able to be open-minded. You got to be able to reflect on what happened and have an honest talk with yourself, an honest handicap on, okay, how was my process? What happened in this game? Was I completely wrong and I just got lucky off a win or was I right and I got unlucky off of a loss? A good example I could bring up is I was betting Jalen Hurts unders in week one in pass yards. I kept saying, you know what, his numbers are too high and this is still going to be an offense that's going to be run first. And guess what? After week one, I lost that bet. The the Eagles had a much higher pass rate over expectation than I anticipated. And I didn't keep going back to the well because I just acknowledged, you know what? I had a bad handicap. Let's adjust when the week's going forward. With Joe Flacco, I felt week to week that my handicap wasn't bad 
he's only throwing for six yards per attempt, essentially every single game, which was amongst like fourth worst amongst all quarterbacks. And it was his passing volume that was getting him over every week. But in my opinion, it wasn't sustainable. And sometimes stuff that you think isn't sustainable, it can happen two, three, four weeks in a row. I mean, over the long run, over the season, I didn't think it was sustainable. Unfortunately, I'm not going to get to find out as Zach Wilson is now the starting quarterback for the Jets. But I think it's just important to be able to self-reflect and and just think about your process and be able to look at it from an unbiased view. Well said. And sticking with the theme of Joe Flacco, in a sense, at the top of this show, let's talk about one of the marquee games in the early window on Sunday involving his former team, the Baltimore Ravens, hosting the Bills on edge rush. You mentioned liking the over in this game. That total currently sits at 51. And I'd like to drill in first on the matchup of the Bills offense versus the Ravens defense. Buffalo so far this season has the number one pass rate over expected. The Ravens secondary has been suspect at times. So Hitman, if you're already liking the over in this one, are there any props that you might be able to isolate that would point you toward Buffalo in the passing game? Yeah, I got to be honest. From all my work says that the over is the way to play this game. And if there was no weather concerns, Josh Allen overs, I, I would be interested in. I know that over 37 and a half pass attempts was a sharp play by some groups early and earlier in this week. Lamar Jackson overs I'd be looking at as well with the, with the Ravens, I believe six in pass rate over expectation this season. And you would anticipate that he could be in some comeback mode potentially or keeping up mode with Buffalo, but I have to wait on the weather. And, you know, I just mentioned about being able to self-reflect about plays that you make and, with some of my self-reflection on me betting the over 51 and a half in that Baltimore Buffalo game, I did see that the weather at the time was clearing up a little bit, but now it's looking like it doesn't look like it's going to be absolutely devastatingly bad, but I think it's going to play a little bit of a factor. So with this game, it's really just a great reminder that if you're going to be playing overs in weather games, you really need to be a hundred percent confident that the weather is going to be good. And at this point, I can't say with a hundred percent confidence that the weather won't impact some of the overs in this game. So to be honest, I'm not saying I'm going to bet the unders either. I just think that this is a great game that you just wait and say, and on Sunday, you'll an hour, two hours, three hours before kickoff, you'll get a much better feel on this. And you know, it could be, it could end up being my biggest volume prop game of the year, or, or I could end up not playing much. It, you really just have to monitor the, the weather in this game. If we look at the other game that would be a contender for the marquee matchup of the early window on Sunday, I think that would be the Jags at the Eagles. And this is another one with some weather concerns. So maybe some similar thoughts as far as this game's concerned. But I'd like to at least address it because it's looking like the Jags are a legitimately good team right now. And it's looking like the Eagles are quite possibly the best team in the NFC. I know there's been a lot of market consensus and bumping both of these teams and the power ratings through the season's first three weeks. And that makes plenty of sense. But Hitman, have you seen perhaps any oversights by the market when it comes to any prop betting opportunities 
when Jacksonville and Philadelphia go head-to-head come Sunday? Yeah, I, I haven't done much with this game. Um, Marvin Jones under receiving yards. It's been a pretty popular play of mine throughout the first few weeks. And I, I know week one, he opened up at, in the high 40s. That was just too high. And last week against the Chargers, I was playing under 43 and a half. Right now, I believe the market's 42 and a half, 43 and a half. But with that one, we're going to wait on Zay Jones. And you, you might think about a guy like Zay Jones and you're like, well, what does he matter? Well, guess what? In prop betting, Zay Jones matters a lot because he's the difference between Marvin Jones being the third receiver in the pecking order in comparison to being the second receiver in the pecking order. So with props, it's really important to, to monitor the injuries and not only to monitor the injuries, but know what a player is worth. Sometimes there could be an injury to a player, to player A, and it doesn't really affect the usage of player B much. And sometimes the market will move it up anyway, and you'll know, hey, well, now I could go back and play the under because they're over accounting for this injury. Then there's other times where you got to react quick and you and you know, hey, um, this injury really impacts player B and his number should be a lot higher and you got to bet quick. So really all I've done with that game is I'm monitoring the Marvin Jones lines dependent on the Zay Jones lines. And I think by the time this podcast comes out, you will have, we will have some clarity on Zay Jones's status for Jacksonville. I wonder if it's any indication with Zay Jones's status. I am seeing him listed at a few books, generally around 44 and a half receiving yards and Marvin Jones in that same ballpark seeing um, more. Okay, good. I was just making sure they are both Joneses there for the Jags wide receiving core. Uh, didn't mix up any names. Marvin Jones, I'm seeing anywhere from 44 and a half down to 40 and a half. So a little bit more volatility with his price points. If and when we get confirmation on Zay Jones, is there a price point at which you'd look to enter the market on a Marvin Jones receiving yards under? Yeah, anything in the 40s, uh, I'm potentially eyeing. I, I probably would not go down into the 30s. So anything 40 and a half or higher is what I'm potentially eyeing. Good food for thought as far as the Jags-Eagles game goes from a prop betting standpoint and moving from the aerial attack for Jacksonville, we can look at some ground games, in particular the Browns pounding the rock most likely on Sunday against the Falcons. In this matchup, it's pretty intriguing from a betting standpoint because we've got perhaps the best rush offense in the league in the Browns going up against the worst run defense in the league in the Falcons. And T.A., I know the Browns have just been a short favorite for much of the week. And has that tight point spread opened up any value that you've been able to uncover when it comes to rushing props for Cleveland against this softer Falcons rush defense? Man, Chubb's lines are pretty high right now. I I think 86 and a half to 88 and a half. But I could absolutely only play over on Nick Chubb. I mean, he just looks absolutely fantastic this year. And like you said, the, the, and I know Clev TA, um, who I do the Wednesday pod with was mentioning this, the Falcons run defense has been brutal this year and it's been against a weak schedule of opposing run offenses. And now you're facing a Browns team that's just absolutely running the hell out of the ball right now with Chubb. So although I didn't officially make a play on this, Nick Chubb over 86 and a half to 88 and a half rush yards. Well, let's just call it a strong, a strong lean from me. 
Gotcha. And as I look right now, it seems like 89 and a half is about as well as anybody is going to do. I'm even seeing some 91 and a halfs out there. Wow. So a lot of people might be onto the same concept when it comes to somebody like Kareem Hunt, who also tends to see decent volume. Is this matchup, you know, one in which you might look his way at all? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to bet his over, the number's a bit suppressed now because there was a group that gave out Kareem Hunt's under rush yards. Um, what are you seeing on Hunt right now in the mid-40s? Yeah, 43 and a half to 44 and a half. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a group that gave out the uh, in the high 40s, and I think that was just more of a numbers play, not as much the matchup. But personally for me, probably probably ends up being a pass. Chubb would be the guy, and obviously Chubb's getting bet intel right now. His number is going up pretty high, so probably ends up being a pass for me in this for in this game. And it's just a good lesson about you know you could think that there's a great matchup, and there absolutely is a great matchup, but sometimes the market's aware of it, and you just got to pass. Yeah, I think the best handicap in the world needs to align with a certain price point. And if everybody else is on to it, you know, no harm done passing. We don't need to force any plays here. We will get to some good action at a certain point. I'm confident in that. Maybe as soon as this next game, we'll touch on transitioning to the late window on Sunday. The Broncos at the Raiders. I feel like every handicapper I've heard who I respect has been on Denver plus three. And now that line sitting in the plus two, plus two and a half range, I believe. Yeah, a, a lot of plus two and a half pretty much painted across the screen for Denver against the Raiders. So for those that like the handicap, but again, tying in with the theme of our last game, if they miss the best of the number and it all comes down to that price, maybe they're not going to take Denver against the spread anymore, but they like a lot of the reasons to back the Broncos in some form. Do you see any prop betting opportunities for the Broncos going into the Raiders this Sunday? I think if you're going to play an over... It would be Cortland Sutton at 67 and a half receiving yards um, against the specific coverage that the Raiders run. Cortland Sutton has been really effective this year. I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but against the man coverage that they run, Sutton's target share with, with Wilson at quarterback has been really high. So I think that that's the guy that you look to attack as far as the passing game goes for Denver in this game. And, I got to tell you, Javante Williams line at 51 and a half. I know that Mike Boone got some care, got some usage last week. That's concerning. I know Melvin Gordon's been getting a lot more touches than people would like him to see. But Javante Williams has still gotten a decent amount of carries in the past few weeks. I think it was, as I look it up, I think Javante Williams got – 37 carries this season. Yep, and he got 15 and 15 the last two weeks. If Javante Williams gets 15 carries this week, he's going to go over in all likelihood. He's just too talented of a player to average three and a half yards per carry. So I think that the the looks that you're going to potentially have on Denver is Sutton over if you want to play a receiver. And Javante Williams' number just might be a tick too low as well in the rushing department. The next game I want to talk to you about involves some potential looks at overs as well as we transition into primetime on Sunday night. The Chiefs taking on the Bucks. We've gotten confirmation that game will be played as scheduled in Tampa Bay. And I was listening to the Take the Points podcast earlier this week. Uh, that one co-hosted by Tage Seth and Arjun Menon. Two great follows on Twitter if you're not doing so already. 
And they brought up the point that with Tampa Bay's stout rush defense, their opponents tend to have a higher pass rate over expected than a lot of the market might anticipate. And I know everybody is already aware that Mahomes is an amazing quarterback, but it got me wondering if we look at things like Mahomes yards currently 268 and a half Mahomes completions, 26 and a half. You can get some plus money on the over or Mahomes pass attempts over 37 and a half. Do any of those numbers stand out to you based on the dynamics of this matchup with the chiefs offense going into that Tampa defense? I, I don't hate the logic that, but, but the only thing I'm worried about is, and I bet the over on this game. So I do expect that the offenses are going to have success, but if Tampa doesn't put pressure on Mahomes to, to be throwing a, a lot just because of how unsuccessful his Tampa offense has been year to date, that's a little bit of a worry. I mean, with that high of a number, you would really want a team that's going to threaten the Chiefs and make them have to throw a lot. But I, I don't hate the logic, but I, I did have a lot of props in this game. Um, Mike Evans over I bet him over 62 and a half 63 and a half receiving yards I believe that's in the mid 60s now I still think it's good Kansas City's been giving up a ton of production the wide receiver ones like Michael Pittman and Mike Williams the past few weeks and not only did they give and both those players are similar players to Mike Evans as far as the big body possession receivers so I, I like Mike Evans over this week and his target share really solid for the one and a half games he's played um, Leonard Fournette under rush yards. Um, the the Bucks have been open about saying that he's been getting too much of a workload and that they need to keep him healthy throughout the season. Fournette himself said that they're going to give the uh, the backup a little bit more work this week. So, I mean, if you have a starting running back himself saying, hey, I'm going to get a little bit less work going forward, it's usually not a bad idea to play under. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire under receiving yards. Um, there's been speculation that they might be going to a little bit of a three-way committee with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's been running less routes. He's played less snaps than Jarek McKinnon, uh, at least last week he did. And a lot of his receiving work, we talk about being unsustainable. I know the Chiefs have been scheming him the ball a little bit in the passing game, but he's not even playing third downs. And his receiving line is 20 and a half, which is a high number for a running back. So I just think that it's it's unsustainable what he's doing in the passing game. And I would also take a look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire under total yards in the uh, 60 and a half range. So, so far this week, this has been probably my most bet prop game of the week so far it has been this one. A lot of good looks in this game, in my opinion. And when it comes to that Mike Evans prop, you read my mind. That was the next thing I was going to turn to after teeing you up on the Chiefs offense with Evans' return, seeing the impact that could possibly have for Tampa Bay's offense in this one. I'm only seeing him listed at a few books right now, and I wonder what might be the holdup. Maybe because it's Sunday night, some books are waiting a bit to release their player props on this one. Or if there's anything else I might be missing, let me know. But the 66 and a half I'm seeing on Evans are juiced a bit to the over. So would you recommend somebody, if they see Evans over 66 and a half receiving yards around minus 130, is that still good to go? Or sometimes I've seen, you know, a book might say, hey, instead of juicing it like that, they'll just go up to 67 and a half or 68 and a half, 
with more standard juice in the range of minus 115. What do you make of that dynamic? Yeah, that's probably the tipping point, 66 and a half minus 130. But I think you could also just wait for books to open up 67 and a half, 120, 68 and a half, 115. Something like that is probably worth a better look. And the reason for the holdup on that is Julio Jones, although we anticipate him, it's very likely he's going to play. And I'm betting Evans overs with the assumption that Julio will be in the game. That's a little bit of a holdup. Godwin, he's probably not going to play. Very, very likely not going to play. So, But that's a little bit of a holdup right now with uh, the Tampa lines. Good call. And one more follow-up on this one, because I know there's a lot of action on it for your portfolio this weekend. When we're talking receiving props, a lot of wide receiver ones in this range, somewhere in the mid-60s, you mentioned with Evans, 66 and a half juice at minus 130 is a tipping point, slightly reduced juice relative to that number at 67 and a half, 68 and a half could still be playable. Do you have a general rule of thumb for you know how much one yard is worth in a receiving prop like this if we're talking somewhere in the range of the mid to high 60s? It all depends. Yeah, like you said, it depends on the yards. Obviously, if a player's lined in at 12 rushing yards or something, the hat, the full yard is going to be worth more juice in comparison mm-hmm. to a guy that's in the mid-60s. I, I don't have, and I don't think many people, I've listened to a lot of sharp prop guys. I've never heard anybody give exact data on what each yard's worth at certain yardage points. But I will say that I more often than not, if a player, if it's a higher number, I'll just look to to swallow a yard or two and take and play less juice. Where in comparison to something like a, a player that's lower, like a, um, a quarterback over 12 and a half rush yards, that's something maybe I'll be willing to lay a little bit more juice on a, uh, on a number. But it, General rule of thumb is I typically try to lay less juice. Now, a reception prop may be different because a half reception is just absolutely huge. But for receiving yards, typically you want to just look to to lay less juice, I would say. I feel like there might be a bit of a parallel there when we talk about teasers. And I will have something to say to that end in a few minutes here. But oftentimes looking for games with low totals, you know, if you're paying for the same six points, those six points relatively hold a lot more value of the totals in the low 40s as opposed to something in the mid 50s. So similarly with props makes a lot of sense if it's, you know, over under a few receptions, every half reception really counts. The yardage, you always want to get the best number, but 66 and a half to 68 and a half, probably not going to make a big difference unless it lands, you know, 67 or 68 exactly. So keeping the juice in mind uh, makes a lot more sense when we're talking these higher numbers and receiving yardage totals. Moving on to the final game on the week four slate, Monday night football, the Rams traveling up north to take on the 49ers. And I think that you've gone on record saying you like San Francisco against the spread laying less than a field goal. On one hand, Hitman, I know Jimmy G was pretty uninspiring last week, and the Rams are coming off of two straight wins after an embarrassing start to kick off their season at home against Buffalo. On the other hand, when we're looking at Shanahan versus McVay, it seems like there's been a significant upper hand for Shanahan in San Francisco. So something's got to give here. Uh, Anything giving for you when it comes to your outlook on props for Monday Night Football? Um, Yeah, I bet Jimmy G's under pass yards at 223 and a half and one might say well you like the Niners in the game 
how could you bet Jimmy G under pass yards? Well, because I think Jimmy G's pass yardage is is too high, and the Niners are going to have to win games through through based off their defense and run game. Um, Trent Williams, the injury to him, it's it's no joke. And what it's going to do is it's going to take a 49ers pass catcher and it's going to put him in in blocking situations. Potentially George Kittle is going to be getting less routes for the Niners. And that's taking away a top weapon from Jimmy G. So I think that the way that the Niners are going to approach this game and the way that I believe they can win this game is with their defense. Their defense gets elite pressure rate without blitzing, something that's affected Matthew Stafford as recently as the Buffalo game. They stopped the run as good as any team in the league. This is a Niners team that's going to have to win ugly. And I saw a stat on Jimmy G as I'm trying to find it as we record this. It was uh, Jimmy G, 34% of his pass attempts have been on third down, which is the highest rate in the NFL. And what that means is that on first and second down, the Niners aren't throwing the ball. And that also is reflective in the fact that the Niners have the second lowest pass rate over expectation in the league this year. And the only team of less is the Bears that are literally playing 1930s football right now with a quarterback that's lined at 148 passing yards for this week. So I think that Jimmy G unders um, anything down to 218 and a half or so, I think has some value this week. Well, we might not veer too far off of this game when we get into the next segment of the show, locking in our official picks for the week that we will track in Betstamp. Sounds like you're pretty confident in Jimmy G. Beyond that, anything else on the prop betting menu for week four standing out that you feel comfortable locking in for your week four card? Let's go with Jimmy G under 223 and a half pass yards. I think that one is really solid. And let's go back to the two plays that we spoke about with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire under 20 and a half receiving yards and um, Leonard Fournette under 66 and a half rush yards. And I will stick with you on that Sunday nighter. And I like the look at Mike Evans over 66 and a half receiving yards. I, I agree. Anything over the current VIG attached, that number of minus 130 might be a bit excessive, but up to that point, I'd be okay with it. So we can, you know, feel comfortable recommending it at this price point. Although if we see 67 and a half, 68 and a half more in the minus 115 range, I think that's the optimal route to go. So that'll be a prop that I'll be locking in this week. So we'll be pretty heavy on primetime for props and hops week four. a couple of games to also tease involving the primetime slate in the second leg. Uh, Let's go with the first leg Denver up to plus eight and a half at the Raiders and then the Rams taking them up to plus seven and a half at the 49ers. We know the math here crossing through the key numbers of three and seven. I think the handicap is really built around betting against the Raiders and 49ers building a big margin. These aren't teams that seem well-equipped right now to really run away with anything. And for the you know, Raiders-Broncos game, I think it's almost a case of the wrong team being favored. No surprise to me if Denver and the Rams win outright, although I do lean the Niners way uh, against the spread. I just feel like with that low of a total, we are getting a decent edge with the Rams as a teaser leg. So I will accept the cushion of getting more than a touchdown with both the Broncos and the Rams this week. Hitman, any thoughts on those two legs in particular or anything else you're considering for any teaser games in week four? 
Yeah, I gave out the Denver one. I, I like that also. And although, again, I like the 49ers, I just spoke about that I believe they're going to be a team that's not throwing much. They're going to win with their run game and defense. So typically that doesn't lead to winning by much margin. So I have no issue with that Rams one. And I would just monitor the lines. Uh, that Cleveland line with Miles Garrett, when he gets ruled out, it looks like it might go to pick him. You know, if it gets to a plus one, if, it, if the Chiefs get to a plus one, if Green Bay gets to nine, you could do six and a half point teasers. There's a lot of lines this week that are around that pick them area that you could get some teas, good teasers. And if, if the one of the lines goes to one, one and a half. So I would just say, continue to monitor the lines. And those are two games I'm monitoring the, the Browns and the chiefs lines. I like to look at potential six and a half point teasers. It, you do typically have to pay 10 extra cents. So instead of the standard minus 120 price point attached to a 6.2 team teaser for a six and a half point two team, where we're usually looking at minus 130, but that served us well last week. And again, with the Packers hovering around nine with a couple other teams, possibly getting to plus one, you know, crossing through those key numbers of three and seven and the right spots can be well worth laying that minus 130. So while we will go ahead and lock in Denver plus eight and a half at the Raiders, as well as the Rams plus seven and a half at San Francisco, there might be plenty of other meat left on the bone come Sunday when we're looking at teasers to lock in for the week four card. But for now, I think that's all we've got for everybody. You can find Hitman elsewhere on the Hammer Betting Network on Edge Rush, talking sides and totals of every game on the board alongside NFL handicapper Cleve TA and host Chris Abbott. Edge Rush drops Wednesday nights or Thursday mornings, wherever you get your podcasts. And as for me, I will see you right back here with Jacob and Suma for Between the Lines on Wednesday for a look at the most meaningful line movement in week five. But until we get there, everybody, enjoy week four in the NFL and best of luck with your bets this weekend. I'm